Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also a best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock the potentials and guide them to succeed. Today, I have an amazing guest. I was very, very fortunate to be able to share a virtual stage with this guy. Being able to find out what more about what he does, he's done some amazing things. He is the leader in customer experience. He's worked with Fortune 100 companies, and he is also the author of the book, Wow Your Customers, Seven Ways to World-Class uh, Service. So he has so much great experience when it comes to wow experiences and working with customer service and all that kind of stuff, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, he also has a live radio show called The Heroic Experience. So I'm very, very glad and also proud to be able to announce that he is on my show today. So please welcome author, speaker, and the expert of the WOW experience, Mr. John Hansen. Thank you very much for having me on. I, I, we had such a great conference. So, so many great ideas were shared in that leadership summit. <laughs> I had pages of notes coming out of that. So I was just honored to be a part of that. Uh, so yeah, and we encountered each other, had very similar mindsets. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, it's always fun to, to meet with other speakers at these events and uh, getting to know what they do and finding out how they got to where they are today. And that's why I have you here uh, for you to share that experience and uh, um, add some value to, to some of the listeners here. So first of all, how's, how's your day been going and uh, what's, uh, what's, what are you passionate about right now? I'm passionate about learning. I, I just read what last week, end of last week, uh, ran to a book by John Maxwell called Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. And in that book, he said that um, by asking these questions, the more questions you ask, the more you learn. Pairing that with another book that I'm reading through called I Made to Stick by Ch uh, Chip and Dan Heath. And in that, they said that as people learn more, a learning gap is exposed. And here's the thing that blew my mind, and it might choose as well. The more people learn, the more the gap bothers them, meaning people that are content with what they think they know are less likely to find the answer to a question they don't know or are less open to ideas, new ideas, fresh ideas from others because they're content with what they know. The more people learn, the more hungry they get to fill in the gap because they know I don't know everything. That was just a huge paradigm shift for me because I love to learn, I love to read, I love to study and research. And that was really affirming to realize that if any of your listeners here are learners, I don't care what format you do it in, listening it at one and a half times speed like came up is one of your suggestions, or reading a book or listening to a podcast while they're driving, however they learn, the more they learn, the more they're going to get hungry to learn more and be open to new ideas that can transform their business and their lives. So for yourself, how did you get to where you are today? What was your history? What was your path? You know, I would say two tracks. And as I looked back at them, I realized that they're woven throughout my entire career, no matter what steps I took. Number one, and I think this was the, the primary driver, I've always been empathetic, meaning that I naturally put myself in other shoes. When I was a little kid and I'd be watching a movie and somebody would be going through either a very painful or a very embarrassing situation, I couldn't watch or I'd leave the room because it was so, I felt how they were feeling. And these are just actors. Later on, as a young adult, I learned to separate myself emotionally so that I could enjoy the movie. Like, no, this is an actor and they're going through this. This is pretend. I had to literally tell myself. The plus side of that is that it gave me the ability to work well with others, whether I was a leader, whether I was a colleague, whether I was working for someone. 
what in customer facing roles in particular, empathy is a superpower. And I had that hardwired into me. The other part that was kind of woven through was that most of my roles have been customer facing, all different kinds of industries, external and internal customers. And because of that bent towards empathy, putting myself in their shoes, doing things so that I could make them more successful, that automatically enabled me to be more successful in any place that they measured it. And I didn't know that until well into my career where they actually measured those things, customer satisfaction or CSAT, quality, accuracy, you know, the feedback and the reviews. I didn't have those tools until well into my career. And that's when it validated for me in very hard, measurable terms that I knew how to take the very best care of people and work well on a team. I had numbers to prove it. So I think those two aspects, empathetic and the ability to work well on a team or to, to put others first in those customer facing roles, I would say those are the two things that are common elements throughout my career. So throughout your, throughout your career, when did the word wow come into play? You know, as I read more and more, and I didn't know it was called customer experience until just a few years ago, three, five years ago, that when I realized CX or customer experience is what it was called, I just knew that if you were going to have a great experience as a team member or as a customer, it's got to be more than the average or the ordinary. Uh, why is it that in certain industries, usually one or two, very few businesses of any size could have excellent reviews time and again? Brands that we all know, if I said them, like Chick-fil-A and fast food, not an industry notorious for great service. Nordstrom in retail, same deal. Southwest Airlines in the airline industry. American Express for credit cards. So if you look at every kind of industry you can think of, there are companies that set themselves apart. Well, how do they do that? If they do it at every single location, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, then you know it's not accidental. You know it's intentional. So what are they doing to provide these experiences that are like, memorable that are, wow, I don't get that normally. And think about it. If your company is giving somebody something they only experience one out of 20 times, that's wow. That's amazing. I don't normally get that. People think that it's expensive. Number one, they think that it's impossible to achieve because only a handful of companies do it. But really, wow experiences are just what in this situation would be out of the ordinary in a good way. And then what can we do to work our ways intentionally towards that? That's how you get to, now, I know companies might be thinking like, we, where, where do you start? You start with simple things and you start inside. That's the biggest key right there. If you're not wowing your team members somehow in something very memorable for their experience of coming to work, they are going to be already looking somewhere else, or you'll have people that are just punching the clock, putting in their eight hours and going home. You don't want either one. You want team members who are engaged. And if they're engaged in having wow experiences inside, that spreads to the people that come into your business from the outside. Wow. <laughs> um, one, thing, one thing I do stress a lot to my clients is that you need to think about wow branding. The more you wow your clients, the more you wow your customers, the more they will come back. And I always love bringing up the, the example of Disney. How many times when you go to Disney World do you say wow? And sure enough, like 70% of the people who goes to Disney are returning. But something that you said right there that I completely forgot about was you have to wow your own people first, wow your own employees, wow your own team, so that that experience can actually transfer out to uh, the audience or transfer out to the client. Now, in your experience, what would you say are, let's say the 
the top three elements of what is considered a wow impact? You know, you mentioned Disney. That's a great example. Thank you for bringing that up. That's one industry I forgot to mention. But here's the great thing. So you said three things, right? So number one, it's the small things. Do you know that at Disney World, all the trash is emptied from below? No one has ever seen emptying trash cans as they go down the streets of the magical kingdom. And that was on purpose because they knew, well, that's just not going to fit with the image or the brand, the experience that we want people to have. So little details like that are thought out to the nth degree. You're like, but we're not an amusement park. We don't have that kind of money. If you're coming up with reasons why you can't incrementally change, everybody has a brand, whether they know it or not. So the second thing I would say is, you have a brand already. What is that? If you don't know, it would be best to bring in somebody that's never encountered your business, your website, your people, your customers, and have them, someone you trust, have them come in and say, tell me what you see. What's your first impression? Give us fresh eyes. I want to know what's our brand. Because it, oftentimes when you're in the business, it's very hard to see what your business looks like. So that second thing is Disney knew they had a brand. What was the brand? Magical. Well, you're not going to have magic if somebody's emptying trash right in front of the kid or right in front of the adults. Just the whole idea of that is no good. So it's the little details that go into your brand that end up being, and I would say the third one is this, you don't know what your brand is unless you ask. So often there's a disconnect. You think because you're publicizing this, you think because your imaging and your pictures and your text and your content is this, that that's what you are. But the disconnect is if you're not asking your team members, which they call voice of the employee or VOE, or your customers, VOC, voice of the customer, if you're not asking for their feedback, then you really don't know. And oftentimes there's a disconnect. And the bigger the gap, the more of a problem you don't realize you have. Get that free feedback from clients that love you, that have been with you forever. Ask them. Ask your team members. They're on the front lines. They know. Ask them for their feedback. Once you get that feedback, here's the third part. Close the loop. So plenty of companies send out surveys. They ask people questions, but oftentimes it's only to measure how they're doing. They don't do anything with the information as far as communicating back. So here's what's going to blow your mind. The minds of your customers and your team. If you ask for their feedback and then they send you their feedback and then you say, thank you for your feedback. We're going to get back to you as we digest all the information that we've got. And then however long it takes, a couple of weeks, a month, then you go back to them and say, here's what we learned. Some of the best things, and especially if their idea was chosen, make sure they know that. Communicate back to them. Thank you for sharing that with us. We improved this, that, or the other. And it saved our clients and prospective clients. Uh, it enabled us to eliminate some issues we didn't even know we had. Thank you so much for doing that for us. Take it another step further. And I call it the red carpet treatment. If you have someone who is a key client, been with you forever, that you look at the revenue they contribute to your company mm -hmm. and they give you some feedback that's excellent. Bring them in. Have If they've never been into your facility, if this is possible, if they're in your area, bring them in, have a tour with the senior management or the owner, show everything that you do, show where their idea was implemented and the improvements that it made, have lunch with them on the premises. I guarantee you that they will be blown away because nobody has ever done that for them. You talk about a wow experience. Now you just elevated your brand with someone who already knows it, likes and trusts you. And after a little bit of time, after you give it a little bit of time, then follow back up with that person and say, do you know somebody else that's looking for what we, our service or our product? 
uh, somebody would be open to that. You would be amazed how many people they know, probably not surprised, but by adding value to them first, by them helping you, you're giving them the, the thing that people enjoy the most is being able to give people that are, are typically generous. And if they can find a way to give to a company that they like, now you've given a way for them to improve something that they love. You're going to have them not only loyal, but then they'll also start help to grow your business with people that are similarly minded. So those are the three things I would say. Absolutely. Well said, because I know a lot of people are putting that down and go, okay, I need to pick up, take all these three things and implement it in my company. Uh, so my next question is three parts. Number one, what's the biggest unwow experience that you've ever gotten without, you know, naming names? <laughs> Part number two, <laughs> what is a very, very common unwow that most of your clients and cuss and people don't realize they're actually doing? And then number three, what is the biggest wow moment you've experienced or that you've implemented in one of your clients' experiences? Got it. Yeah, great questions. Okay, so my biggest unwow experience, and I think a lot of people can relate to this. Uh, I had a vehicle repair. Uh, the, the part I bought from a chain parts store, took it down. So I'm taking time off of my day to get my vehicle fixed. I get the part, take it to my mechanic. Mechanic puts it in. After a couple hours, it doesn't work. So then I take it back to the parts store and say, this part didn't work. I need another one. Rather than say, absolutely, you were just here a few hours ago. We understand. We'll test it. No, I was told you need to buy another one because we're going to send this back to analysis to our headquarters. And then if they deem it to be uh, a part that's not working correctly, then we'll refund you. So I had to buy two of these. Then take this back down to the, the garage and put that in. And that one worked. So in my own mind, I'm like, I just verified that this part didn't work. And now it does. So I was treated like a criminal rather than a customer. Okay, that's, that's one of the biggest unwell. So I'll never go back to that chain again. But I'm one of those quiet customers. I didn't post it. I didn't tell the manager I'm never going to shop here again. Why? Because I got a lot of stuff to do. I don't have to. I'm, my personality is not that. You might hear that from a person that's more outspoken, but you didn't hear that from me. And the stats are, this is amazing, Fawn, 96% of the silent complainers don't come back. They don't make any noise, but they tell others. So they might not be telling you, but you really need to be asking the quiet personalities. What do you see that's not right about this? What can we do better? If they are not, the ones who are openly complaining are looking for a solution. It's the ones that aren't saying anything you need to be concerned about. So that was my unwell moment where I had to pay for two and a shocker. They never refunded me for the other one because I guess oh. it turned out fine. Yeah. So I spent two additional hours and a few hundred dollars more for a part that didn't work. That's my biggest unwow experience I can think of. Uh, a common unwow uh, is to treat. I have the saying in my book, it says that our, our customer experience is best proven when things don't go the way they should. Even horrible companies can do okay if the transaction goes from smoothly from start to finish. You can go to any fast food restaurant. If the order comes through like the way you ordered it, that's fine. That's okay. That's all right. But in the area of wow, the actual way you can wow people is when things don't go the way they're supposed to. They're already internally bracing for this conflict where you're going to be fighting them and you got to prove it to me. And I'm not going to give you your $5.38 back. The wow. So the unwow is you treat a transaction 
if it's a credit or return or something, you give them no grief because they're preparing for that. They're bracing for that. But the way you convert that, so it makes it kind of like a, a relief, but it doesn't make it a wow moment. What makes it a wow moment is that you close the loop and find out why did that go wrong in the first place? Do a little bit of research yourself. I know frontline customer service professionals are like, where do I find time to do this? You've got to have an internal quality team of some kind, no matter how big or small your company is. Find out how that happened in the first place, because if you're on the front lines, the odds are you're going to get more of the same. So the common unwell is treating it like an everyday transaction when you fix something that should have been done right the first time and you make a big deal about it. You say, apologize for the inconvenience. Our goal is to, to do this accurately every time. We would love to have your feedback on this. Here's a $5, 10%, whatever coupon for your next order with us. I had a gentleman actually where uh, he bought a simple product. It was a, an air gauge for his tires and it didn't work. So he sent it back and they, they said, uh, apologize, that didn't work. We'll take 10% off your next order. They didn't give a refund. They didn't replace it with one that worked. So they turned in something that could have been a wow moment into a very unwow. So don't just take care of the issue. See if you can find out what caused the issue. That's a common unwow. And I would say the biggest wow that I've experienced, um, it didn't, it came as a team member. And I still remember it. I even get goosebumps when I tell the story 25 plus years later. So here's the takeaway. Customers aren't just the people that pay you money. I have a course all about this, but it's actually, there's four types. And the second type is your internal customer. So your internal customer relationships, Sir Richard Branson of Virgin said, take the very best care of your team members so they can take the very best care of your customers. Mm -hmm. They're even more important. You would never tell a paying customer this. John Hansen did not say, tell your paying customers they're not as important as your team members. Don't say that, but it's true. If you have no team members, you can't take care of your customers. And if you don't have happy team members, they're not going to happily take care of your customers. But the biggest wow I have is 25 years ago. I was a counselor at a summer camp. I was a counselor every week for eight to 10, 10-year-old 10 boys. So I don't know if I have to tell you the energy level that goes with a 10-year-old boy times eight to 10. Every week, I'm in charge of making sure that I'm keeping them safe, having a great time. By the end of eight weeks, I was exhausted. I'm in the last week of camp, looking forward to the end, but probably looking just dead tired. <laughs> and I'm sitting at my table. And the, the camp manager, the program manager, the guy that's in charge of all the people that are in summer staff comes up to my table and he says, John, at the beginning of the summer, I had concerns about you. I, I wasn't sure how well you would do as a counselor, but I can honestly say that you're one of the best counselors I've got. Again, it, it triggers chills every time I say it because I can remember where I was sitting. I can remember him walking up to the table. I can remember how it felt. So that was the biggest wow moment I've ever experienced in my life is every time I share it, years later, quarter of a century later, I still feel the emotions of that wow moment. And it stuck with me. It'll stay with me my whole life. That's the power our words can have by affirming someone with, I thought this, you did this, thank you. Specific recognition can go a, a long way to a wow moment internally. Imagine external ones on top of that. Wow. I'm going to say wow a lot during this entire interview. I can't stop. <laughs> That's it. Scripted, I, right? I keep on hearing it and I keep on asking questions with that word in it. So it's, uh, you can't avoid it. But with regards to all these stories that you've shared, 
a lot of it has to do with that human element, that human connection and that relationship building and how, how you make that person feel, right? right? Now, when it comes to a lot of these uh, companies right now, in order for them to get the, in, in their, their team members, their employees to uh, follow suit on, on customer service and all that kind of stuff, scripts are being made so that they follow a certain checklist, they follow a certain script. Now, there's a very fine line between following that script but then still having that human element. And I'm sure there's a lot of people here who has that experience of go, that goes, wait a minute, did you actually hear what I'm trying to say? You're just going down the list, you're asking the questions, but I already answered these questions. Or if you listen to my answer, these questions don't apply. So how do you coach or consult with companies to go, okay, wait a minute. Yes, you need a script so that you're able to train properly, However, you need to give the power to your employees to deviate away from the script if need be. Where's that, uh, where's that fine line or how do, you, how do you kind of consult that? Yeah, that's a, another great question. I, I had the privilege, I didn't feel like it at the time, but I was downsized by a Fortune 100 company where I had leading stats, but they needed to cut a few hundred people and I was one of them. But in order to keep the benefits that I needed because of one key part that was happening in our personal lives, I couldn't go somewhere else and not make up the difference of what I was losing in the benefits. So I found a place, but it was in the contact center for this Fortune 100 company. So I am in a call center for almost a year. I will tell you, though, it proved to me that I had what it took. Within 90 days, I was training new hires because my CSAT scores, my compliance, my accuracy, my time, my average handle time was top of my team. And I'd only been there 90 days. So I have abilities to do this. But I would say, well, somebody's like, well, okay, so you're naturally gifted taking calls. Didn't mean I enjoyed it. But here's what I did. You talk about scripting. There were scripts. Oh, absolutely, there were scripts. I can't, you can't miss a word or you're dinged on that because it's a compliance thing. So what do you do if you've got scripts? So I'll answer that first. First of all, if you have scripts, it doesn't mean you need to read it like a robot. Imagine if your kid comes up to you for a bedtime story and you read it like a compliance script. You think the kid's going to enjoy it and come back for more? Heck no. So when I had a compliance and I had to read through it, I would say, bear with me. I'd inject a little humor. And I said, I'm going to go through this as fast as I can. But as I was reading, it was like I was reading a bedtime story. I would add inflection. I would smile. Your smile comes through. I would make sure I was saying it as fast and as smoothly as possible because they knew they had, they had to hear it. So they might as well enjoy it while they're hearing it. You know what I heard more than once from people? They said, have you considered doing voiceover work? Because uh, your voice is just so enjoyable to listen to. This is at a call center. <laughs> so uh, I would say that infused life, energy, smile. When you're reading these things, you have to read anyways. If you don't have a script, active listening. If there was ever a soft skill that uh, you could, if you could put it in a bottle and you could give to people, active listening would be that. Because you're right. You get so many calls, and I know what that's like. I know what it's like. Another phone call, another phone call, and you've got so much on your to-do list. You can never get it all done. How do you focus on one call at a time? Two tips I have. One is keep your workspace as clear as possible. Believe it or not, as you may not feel like it on certain days, our brains are supercomputers. Everything our eyeballs see, they process. Just like you need to defrag a computer because it's slowing down with all the content that doesn't need to be there. What our eyes see is the same way. Give yourself white space on your desk. Mine is brown space because I have a brown desk. Make sure there's space where there isn't stuff on it, notes or papers or pictures. Give yourself space. Your brain needs that to decompress. That's number one. 
Number two is make sure that as you're going through things, you can take notes. One way, when I read books, I take notes. It helps me retain the information. It helps me remember certain things as well for later. So I have a note. I can go back to my written notes. You shred them at the end of the day. But it's proven that if you like to write things, auditory, write down what you're hearing them say. You may pick out some details that you didn't hear. So I get by writing. If you're somebody that's auditory and you can pick up and listen so well just with what they're saying, mirror back. Mirroring back when I would say, so you're saying that, that just to confirm I'm hearing right. So you're saying this happened and this should have happened instead. I can understand. So along with mirroring, you're acknowledging that it would be frustrating. You're not saying, oh, you're right. We're a terrible company. I can't believe you bought from us. You're acknowledging the fact they're frustrated and not like the, not like the ones we typically get. I know you're thinking in your mind like, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Hansen, that that did not come across like we like it to. Normally, that's not what happens. And it sounds so scripted. Their response is just, they say it hundreds of times a day. It has no meaning. You have to say it as if they're sitting across from you. So along with mirroring and acknowledging, you're hearing what they're saying so you can apply some, some solutions within the boundaries of what they're allowed to do. I don't know if I did this for you or uh, I'll do this for you, but I'm only capable of doing so much. I would be happy to connect you with, and if you do connect them with somebody, if, if at all possible, do a warm transfer where you say, let me connect you. So you connect them in person live to the next person. You tell the story in the summary so they don't have to say it again. And they know what you're saying to the person they're being transferred to, not, oh, it's person's on the phone and they're a big pain in the butt. And then, all right, I'll transfer you now. You know, they know that there's transparency there. So I would say those are all ways that if you have to be scripted, infuse life into it, infuse energy, enthusiasm, and a smile, it really comes through. And if you don't need to script, but you have boundaries, stay within those, but do the best you can through your active listening, through your acknowledgement, and through your problem solving for them. And I guarantee you, you will see improvements on scores and reviews because people know things are going to go wrong. It's like those teams that have a perfect record up into the playoffs. They're just waiting for that shoe to drop. And when they actually lose one, they perform better than if it goes right up to the championship game because everybody's like, it's never happened before. You imagine the pressure. So people expect things not to go right. What they don't expect, you can blow them away, is how you work through that with genuine interest genuine acknowledgement, problem solving. That is how you can work within scripting in a way that still engages people. Very, very well, well said. It reminds me of the time I called for a, um, to get a bill taken care of of the energy, energy company. Okay. And first of all, you go through a whole bunch of these menu systems. Yeah. Find the right menu to talk to the right person. And eventually you go, wait a minute, I missed all of that. I need to repeat. And then once I got to somebody, oh, I'm very sorry about that. Let me let me send you a ticket and we'll escalate the issue. I've had that line said to me four or five times. By the fifth time, I go, I don't want a ticket. Just get me to talk to a supervisor or a manager or somebody. Finally, I got to a manager. And the very last line that manager said was, let me issue you a ticket. I just hung up. I'm like, I had no. Oh, oh no. Oh. Yeah, nowadays, if people are calling, that it's because they couldn't take care of their issue online. They couldn't do it on their smartphone. They couldn't do it on the website. There's a reason that they're calling now more than ever. 
it's their preferred method of communication, whatever it is. If somebody's picking up the phone, it's because they want to talk to somebody. Okay. So yeah, at company shift, they could get a clue of they're not doing it to bother you. They're not doing it to waste your time. Most people, especially as they get younger and younger, love self-service. If they couldn't figure it out through self-service, they need to talk to somebody. And people that are self-service, they're usually so easy to work with. They're just explain what what's going on, if it needs an explanation or fixing something or changing something, that it's it's so easy to take care of people that are do-it-yourselfers. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be as complicated as it is. Yes. So based on what we've been talking about so far, uh, a lot of this is in your book, uh, your, your WOW Experience book. Now, for somebody who goes, you know what, I don't have a business, I don't have a team, I don't have a company, why should they still read your book? That's a really good question. We're coming out with an audio version. Uh, I'm going to be recording it sometime next month. Mm -hmm. So if you like to listen, you can listen rather than read. Uh, I have not been told that it's good bedtime reading. So apparently the stuff is interesting enough where people don't crack it open. They're like, asleep a minute later. Uh, the reason why talking is talking about, wow, they better not fall asleep. <laughs> I know. And that would not be a good calling card, would it? Uh, there are seven points to the book. And if you look at the seven points, whether you're in a customer-facing role or not, if you implement these personally and professionally, I guarantee you whether you're in sales, whether you're in HR, whether you're in management, uh, whether you're a solopreneur, it doesn't matter. If you apply these seven things, a winning attitude, organization, word choice, teamwork, humor, empathy, and providing more, that's wow them. It's an acronym so I can remember it. Those things I guarantee you are going to make impact in your life personally and professionally. I, I enjoy. They say when you write a book, the one who writes it learns the most. I learned a ton by writing it. Uh, Brian Tracy was kind enough to write a recommendation for the book. Uh, I took his publication course so I could learn how to take a project, that book I had in my mind, 18 months later to publish it. Mm -hmm. So I learned so much. And I know that there's enough in that. That's just some takeaway nuggets. It's designed to be easily read, easily digested, with lots of things you can do right away at low or no cost at all to implement in your personal and professional life. Great. So everybody out there, make sure you find that book. It's going to change your life. It's going to give your life wow moments. <laughs> and it's available on Amazon. Yep. Now, uh, when it comes to your leadership skills, uh, you actually had a really prominent role in the military uh, as a very, very strong leader there. Now, would you say that because you had a military background that also complemented in your entrepreneurship uh, ventures? I think so. In a couple of ways, as an employee first, because when I came back from deployment, I was, a, I was an employee. I wasn't an entrepreneur. The biggest thing that it gave me when I came back was how to work through stress. Two things. Number one, people assume when they heard the word stress that it's bad. But in the military and in other places and in the metal industry, you've got to stress things to know if it's of quality or not. If you don't stress the metal then the last place you want to find out if it's going to hold up is when it's in a building. You've got to do stress tests on your material. Same with professionals. Uh, the military does this, of course, because before you go into battle, you really need to know if someone is going to be reliable and follow through on their training. People's lives depend on it. Well, because I had stress coping skills, uh, I was in a, a contact center uh, in Iraq in two different places, northern Iraq and the green zone in Baghdad. And we were on 12-hour shifts monitoring a radar system. And it could go from 11 and a half hours of sheer nothingness, reading a book, monitoring the radar, taking turns. I wasn't reading a book while I was monitoring. <laughs> We'd switch off. The other guy would be monitoring. I get a break. 
So I'm working on schoolwork, reading books, writing papers, and he's on the on the radar system, and we'd switch. Well, it could go from 11 and a half hours of nothing to all of a sudden alarms go off, everybody's yelling, the, the stress level goes through the roof instantly. If it was a real event, we had 30 minutes to get a detailed Excel report with a map to headquarters with all the details in 30 minutes while all the stressful stuff's going on, while we're figuring out what happened, where it happened, and all that. Uh, if it wasn't a real event, if a false alarm, we had an hour. But what I learned was you could only do so much so well if you take a deep breath, focus on the next thing. Because I had, and this is life and death type situations. Now I go back to the corporate world and it has the exact same feeling. It really does. Hormones are racing, your heart's pounding, your, your mouth is dry, you're like trying to do this, that, and the other, and people are calling and emails are coming. It's stressful. And all I would do is take a deep breath, remind myself that nobody dies. I need to do the very best work I can on this thing in front of me. And if I get to the end of the day and I don't get everything done that's in my tray, I'm coming back tomorrow and I'll do it again. But because I had that perspective, my, my stress coping skills were tied to something that had life and death. Now I could apply the same principle to something that wasn't. And those stress coping skills helped me perform well in those. We had people that got uh, let go uh, because of compliance or other issues, or I think the stress got to them. We'd have people that transferred to other departments. We had people that quit. And, and I was able to not only weather that, but have great marks through it. So I think the stress coping skills were tremendously helpful. But I will say this to you. Somebody's like, oh, man, I knew I should have done the military. Nah, that's the stress coping skills I got out of it. Leadership, on the other hand, as I shared in that presentation at that summit, leadership is not what you do. It's not a role. It's not a title. Um, it's not even being in the military or certain industries that are known for it. Leadership is the capacity to lead. We talked at the beginning of this podcast about the fact that people that learn and they learn more and more, that's what your capacity to lead is. Meaning the bigger the cup gets, the more that gets poured into your capacity to lead, your potential to lead, the better you can. So leadership is just like a muscle, it can be strengthened. The biggest thing you need to take away is that I'm not a leader because I'm not in a position of leadership. Nonsense. We all have the opportunity to lead ourselves and others. And we need to start with ourselves first because that's what we can best control. But then you would be surprised about the influence you have on others. If you're focused on leading yourself and improving yourself, you'll find that you're actually influencing and leading and engaging others that are watching you more than you realize. So yes, that, that aspect of leadership is, it's an advantage because I had, but I also looked back uh, and that was back when I was in my young, my early thirties, where because the rank got higher on my chest, uh, I assumed that I needed to know everything. And then if I didn't know something, I see that immaturity in my leadership where I didn't rely on someone I could see was more talented in a certain area because it was threatening to me as an immature leader. If you've got people, I've read it, seen it so many times. If you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Surround yourself with people who are smarter, more talented than you, because they will make you better. They'll make your team better. Um, that's the mark of a true leader. Have you found that you were able to make more risky decisions when they're no longer tied to life and death situation? I think so. And I think personalities do have a play in this. There are some people that are just naturally more cautious. There may be people that are more nuts and bolts. 
because I have both aspects of an entrepreneur. I have both the visionary, big picture, exciting idea, and then I have the steps to get there. I, I'm privileged to have both. Uh, I took um, Gina Wickman's second book. I read Traction, and then I read Rocket Fuel. In the book, it offered a free online assessment to identify what kind of entrepreneur you are, visionary or an integrator. Visionary, big picture, charismatic, always chasing after things, always going after the big idea, able to sell it, very charismatic. Nuts and bolts integrator is more of how do we break that down by steps to get there? Someone who's trying to do both um, will actually end up draining themselves or going against themselves. And that's why I found out that you know, I'm 67% visionary. I get lots of big ideas, but I'm 96% integrator. I am a nut and bolts guy through and through where I love the steps. I don't need to be out in front of people, although I love the public speak to add value. I don't need the credit and, and large visionaries do because that's what drives them to do even better. Um, it's not a, it's actually a strength to them where an integrator, they don't need to be in the spotlight. They want to see their ideas work. So I think having those two aspects, it, it, it did help. The military did, but you, again, don't have to be in the military, especially if you've always been entrepreneurial. I would say, take that assessment, find out what your strength is, because whatever the opposite of that is, you're going to find that that's draining you. That's taking away time and energy from what you're best at. What was your, what was your biggest challenge transitioning into entrepreneurship then? I think the biggest challenge for me was as a sole breadwinner, there's a lot of risk involved of taking that step. Uh, and what encouraged me to do that was adding a mentor. I added a business mentor about three years ago. And it, while that person, that person has no skin in the game, whether I succeed or not. So there's that degree of separation from someone he's established. He's, he's very accomplished. I greatly respect him but he has no skin in the game financially if I succeed. I had to have that separation there. But he said, and I ran ideas by him saying, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I wanna do. He said, John, I think now's the time to do it. Um, you've got a lot of the right pieces in place. I'm confident that you can do it. You're well-studied, well-researched. You know, and he wasn't telling me to, to, yes, you need to do it. He was saying, I'm pre you're prepared to do it. What he was doing was instilling belief in me belief in my abilities, belief in my value, belief in the processes and the pieces I had in place. So I would say that that was probably the thing that helped me, but the most, the greatest risk to me was if this doesn't work, then we're not going to live in a box, but it's not going to be good for our family either. It's going to be very hard. And um, I still made the decision to move it. And I'm so glad I did because the writing was on the wall of the place I was at before that it wasn't going to be a good long-term fit anyways. And the last time I didn't have a plan B, that didn't end well for us either. So risk reward is there, whether you stay at a secure job or whether you take that plunge. But what I would encourage people to do when that risk is there, run it by somebody who has no skin in the game, who's well-established, ask the hard questions. Don't ask questions to verify whether you're making a good decision or not. Ask them, is there anything that I'm missing here? Is there any reason why I shouldn't do this? Are there some things I should have in place first? Ask those tough questions because that can help if you're, it, it won't eliminate risk, but it can help you be aware of what the risks fully are. And I think that's the advantage of adding a business mentor with that degree of separation. Wow, awesome. Um, so you transitioned from one to another to entrepreneurship, and then you've also transitioned into becoming a radio host uh, of your own show. Um, where did the name The Heroic Experience come from? Um, and then also, uh, what is the premise of the show? 
Yeah, so it came from a conversation with the owner and president here. I, I, I went full time with my, I took my side hustle full time January of 2020. <laughs> I had speaking gigs lined up. I had consulting clients. It looked like April was going to be in the black. And like a lot of other people, I got totally railroaded by COVID. So I pivoted two pivots later. Now I end up being in the best opportunity of my life where I get to be an intrapreneur. I get to help uh, bring in new arms of business, grow current arms of business. And it's all up to me to do that. No helicoptering or micromanaging gave me the stability for my family, gave me the opportunity to create and grow several things. I love it. Best opportunity of my life. Well, in one of our conversations, that's where I had a light bulb moment. Our parent company's name is Accelerated Revenue. And it's a consulting arm that we grew, just launched in February for small businesses, 150 employees or less. But we're going to help them elevate to a heroic experience, to heroic success. Well, I wondered, we were talking about this, the owner and I were, why does that appeal to us? He has Star Wars memorabilia in his office, and I've been fascinated with that since I was a kid. And who is it? Turns out that humankind has been fascinated with heroism going back millennia. Why is that? Why are we drawn to that? And I realized, well, I don't know. I guess I should look up what the word heroism actually means. So when I wrote my first book, I promised myself if I ever came across a word that I thought could be rich in meaning, I'd go back to the dictionary and find out what does it mean? What are the meanings of it? So there's usually more than one. And what's the origin of it? Where did it come from? Every time I've done that, amazing that what I've learned, wow, moments every time I did that. Uh, and, and here's what I found about heroism. It's ultimately just the pursuit of two things, higher purpose and nobility or excellence. Every business starts off with those reasons. They do it not just for themselves. There's an easier road to make money than it is to start your own business and grow it. We know how hard it is to do that. It's not an easy path. And that's why many don't do it. But if they do it, they're doing it not just for themselves. They're doing it for their family. They're doing it for the team members that they want to hire, people they see that they could add to their team and do a great job for them and their customers, for the customers they want to take care of, for the community at large. On top of that, they want to do with excellence. Like, Why would you do sloppy work? You want to do your very best because you've identified, I'm good at something. I'm skilled at something. I can add value here. So the idea of ele elevating your business to heroic success is it's not just for superheroes in Hollywood. Heroism is absolutely achievable. And those wow moments we talked about, that's heroism. That can be inside your company. That can be outside your company. That's in your community or the world at large. And none of that is too audacious. Companies of any size can do that. And I'll give you several examples. Number one, do your team members feel recognized and appreciated for what they do? I don't mean gift cards. I don't mean the once a year pat on the back and a bonus. I mean, do they know they're an invaluable part of your company? Companies like that don't grow on trees. That's a way you're being heroic to your team members. Do your clients know, the ones that have been with you 10 years, do they know that they're not just a line item on your ledger, but that you are so grateful when you call, not around Christmas or the holidays or when you send a card or a gift basket, but just out of the blue, tell them thank you and ask for their opinion, ask for their feedback. That communicates to them that they're not just a number. That's being heroic. Do you support your community? Are you involved in the chambers? Are you at you know, ribbon cutting events? You're showing up to support other businesses. You're helping mentor young business owners that are just starting out. That's being a hero in your community. What if you support, your company supports a school or a, a well, well of water in some third world country? You're impacting the world. 
So you can be heroic on every level of your organization. Absolutely. Most companies already are. The thing is there, two things are happening. Number one is they're, they're comparing themselves to companies that are way larger than them and thinking we could never have that kind of impact. Stop doing the comparison game of looking at a Fortune 100 company that to them, a million dollars is a drop in the bucket. To you, a hundred dollars is significant. Stop looking in comparison, look at impact. How are you impacting the people you touch? That's number one. Number two is intentionality always trumps volume. Quality always trumps quantity. I, I don't care what industry you're in. You can produce a million things, but if they're done with poor quality, all you'll be known for is producing lots of cheap stuff. If on the other hand, you're creating something of great value and you're only doing a handful of them, the amount of effort and work that it takes to create that masterpiece, that's more important because you know the impact that it has and the value that it has. Stop looking at quantity, look at the quality. If you do those two things, you'd be surprised at how well your company is running already. What we find is oftentimes because people are in the day-to-day, -day, it's like when you have a little kid and they grow up to be a teenager. Yeah, you notice they're getting bigger, but it's your friends that come from out of town. And the last time they saw your kid, they were a toddler. Now they're a teenager driving a car. The difference they see is just night and day. To them, it's shocking. To you, it's like, yeah, they, they got there. The challenge for people in the business is that it's hard for them to work on it because they're in it every day. And third-party verification. Our coach tells our teenage kids, you should clean your room and you should do it as soon as you're told. So the sooner you do it, the sooner it gets done. All of a sudden they're cleaning their room when they're told to do it. And I know we've been telling them for years to clean their room. What parent doesn't have that? What, are we chopped liver? No, it's third-party verification from someone they also respect, but aren't intimately connected with. That's telling them the exact same thing. That's where the value of having a third party you trust communicate the same things you've been saying or new ones and someone that takes ownership of it, someone that has accountability for it, someone that has steps to implement it rather than adding more hats or trying the latest fad, having a third party you trust can help create a game plan that fits into your company, your goals, your budget, your values, and can help get there by taking ownership of it. That's the value of a third party. And that's what we're excited to do for businesses of all industries of, of that size, 150 employees or less, because hero, heroism is absolutely achievable. It's being done every day all across the country, if not the world. And uh, we can help create a roadmap to get there. Well, absolutely awesome. So everybody, make sure you check out that radio show. Uh, it has lots of great content. And surely, like after you mentioned it, I could, your voice is absolutely spectacular. I can listen to you speak for forever <laughs> and keep on asking you questions. <laughs> I, you know, I've had the privilege of talking to, to people around the world uh, over the phone. I, I think that helped having so much over the phone because all you have is your voice. Yeah. They don't have face to face. So I have no body language except for what comes through on the phone. So smile. Yes. But I don't have anything else to communicate. It's tone. It's word choice. And it's uh, whatever body language comes through the phone. And I think that really helped because I'd done public speaking for years up until then, but I think honing my voice on top of being comfortable in front of people, I think is what helped take things to the next level for virtual events, but especially in person, because I just, I love to do it. And now I've learned how to communicate more effectively 
with my voice. So while I didn't like the contact center because it wasn't a forever job, I did benefit tremendously from it. So for somebody like yourself, when you listen to your own voice, are you one of those like, oh, I love it. It sounds perfect. Because everybody says they hate their own voice, right? So for you. No, I think I had to get used to, I'm going to sound different than I think. And that's okay. Because if people liked hearing me and I don't like how I sound, it must be okay. I think I had to get get over that. Um, And I think because I had enough people tell me that, I then knew that, all right, rather than trying to change my voice, which comes across totally inauthentic, so fake, I just needed to learn to communicate more clearly with more energy. And I think that's what's infectious, not so much how I sound. Uh, although I, I'm sure if I, if I sound like Ben Stein or something, people would be totally tuned out. So Bueller, Bueller, you know, if I had that kind of a voice, I, I don't think that would help anything. Yeah. Nice. Now, if you had an opportunity to be on the world stage, to spread one message out there for everybody to remember, what would that message be? It's the book I'm working on right now. It would be the fact that I'm so excited about this because this is a universal message, even more than customer experience. And it's the idea of winning, winning at life. And again, I found this in the dictionary when I was writing my first book. I said, ah, time out, John, don't get distracted. Finish your first project. So now I'm on the second one. And the basic thing that I, I, without giving the book away, is three things. Number one is, and when I saw this definition in the dictionary, my world literally just stopped. I stopped breathing and it hit me like all at once. If you have the wrong definition for winning, you will label yourself. And there's plenty of places in the world that will do this for you. Business, sports, academia, your your own well-meaning parents, siblings, yourself will apply these labels to yourself where we equate winning. And it is a definition. Yeah, I'm not saying it isn't, but it's one of them. I don't believe it's the most important one. The one definition that we think of is blue ribbon gold medal, uh, coming in first, selling in competition, A+, 4.0, all those measurables, right? That if you don't hit that, well, if you're not, you know, like uh, Ricky Bobby said, right, in Talladega Nights, if you're not the winner, you're the loser, right? Um, that idea of if we don't come in first, then you're the, the, you're the next place loser. You're the first one that lost. That's the idea of winning compared to someone else. If you're defining, so I keep this in front of me on my office desk. It's a blue ruler. I got at a place that starts with wall and ends with mark. So it only cost me a couple dollars. But I have this as a visual reminder. I kept it in my car and now my desk that I've got an office. That I should never compare myself to others. My, my ruler needs to be John today compared to John five years ago. And every day going forward needs to be looking back at who I was and what I've achieved. Progress is the goal, not perfection. Number two, if I'm looking at somebody else's life, it's always with a bias, it's always with my own filter, and it's always an illusion. The thing that we see in others' lives that we want is projecting on their lives what we want. If you were to peel back the curtain, to look into their own lives, you would find the vast majority of people that you that appear to have what you want aren't happy either. Don't compare yourself. So their, their uh, uh, reality, uh, the only reality you can fully know is your own not somebody else's. And then the third one is on this ruler, you know, there are, there are little marks on this ruler and the very smallest one, very smallest one, it's right here. It's a millimeter, a millimeter. That's the smallest. Progress is the goal, not the per, not perfection. And 
believe it or not, I'm going to shock you. If you read people's lives, and I have, I read so many great biographies of people that have achieved great success, the 12th inch is never the 12th inch. It's the start and they go back to the first inch again. They are never done. John Maxwell said the greatest danger is today's success. If you camp out on success today, it's just like riding a bicycle. As soon as you stop, you don't keep going forward. You don't even stay standing up. You fall over. Worst, you could start rolling back down the hill. That's okay. If you're constantly striving after something, comparing yourself to your past self and understanding that your reality is the only one you can fully know, then that is the best definition for winning at life. The other six chapters are about unpacking best practices after I interviewed highly successful people that most probably people have never heard of, but are highly successful in some of the principles that they share. But the biggest thing is most people in life are winning tremendously. They're actually winners because winning, the one word definition in all caps in my dictionary, success. If your definition for winning is coming in first, you almost always be a loser. Always be someone faster, stronger, richer, better looking than me. There will never, ever, ever be another John D. Hansen born at this time of history that is doing the things that I'm doing and that is having the impact in people's lives like I'm having now. Everyone has the same opportunity provided they're using, using the best definition. They're winning hugely at life. They just don't know it because they're using the wrong definition and it's easily supplied by a world that glorifies achievement, not progress. And the mic is dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so excited about this book. So the people I've, I've interviewed, wow, the, the things I've learned from them, this book is going to be amazing. The stories are woven all throughout the chapters, and I'm just so, so grateful to have had time with these people. Um, this book is going to be life-changing if you don't want to pick up and read it or listen to it on Audible. Awesome. Well, we look forward to your big announcement when that book comes out and uh, make sure that everybody gets a, a link or something to go get that book. Now, that, that wraps up our formal portion of the, book, uh, of the interview. And I know you have um, lots of stuff that you need to do, but I'm going to ask you five more quick questions. Give me the first thing that comes to mind uh, just for fun. Now, you mentioned he heroic and heroism so many times today. What is your superhero name? My superhero name? <laughs> it's Encourager. I found out my life purpose uh, back in 2019 by the help of a dear 87-year-old lady that helped me identify this. It was just crystallized in my mind. Like, I am here on this earth to encourage people. So it'd be a big E. That's that's who I am, superhero encourager. And, and your super, super uh, skill or superpower is? It's encouragement, infusing courage. Courage is not built off of flattery, off of whipped cream, Encouragement is identifying truths in people's lives and building them up based on what is true. Ah, so you show up and go, now you're encouraged. Now you're encouraged. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, after talking with you for just a few minutes, what I identify, I got the longest hug of my life from a lady I never met because I affirmed her at this conference because I talked truth into her life. One of the most powerful experiences outside of being affirmed myself 25 years ago that I ever had. Uh, extremely, uh, that just... There you go. That's why I'm here on this earth and I can do the same for businesses too. Okay. So Hollywood's calling <laughs> and they say, Hey, we, this encourager movie idea sounds amazing. We want you obviously to play the main role of the encourager, but who do you want to cast as that, that mentor, 
that uh, person that guides you along to become that superhero that you can be? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I would probably pick that 87-year-old lady as the character, as cast that as the person like this guy is searching throughout his life and, and learning and trying to figure out like, why am I here? Not because I'm suicidal, not because because there's this missing piece. Like if I knew what my life's purpose was, I would go all after that. It wouldn't matter what industry or where I worked, uh, but I, I want to know why I'm here. And then having this super emotional, spiritual moment that was truly uh, time stopped for that one. It was only a few minutes, but I remember it just as clear as when it happened three years ago. Um, I think that's what I would have. Somebody cast that and then looking at what that person's life is, just the last few minutes of the movie would be the impact having after identifying what my life purpose was. But up until then would be the trying this, trying that, something still missing. And the, 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 that struggle of things should be working better, but they're not. And I'm always positive, but things just aren't coming together. And then you have this moment and then it's like, I know why I'm here. Now everything's going to fit into that. And, and here's the, the change coming after that. So I think it would be a, 87 year old or someone in that age, female, um, they probably wouldn't do it with me, but like Helen Mirren or somebody else of that, that comes to my mind of um, there's some uh, accomplished female actresses that I can think of in my mind that would be great for that role. Judy, Judy Dench, maybe something like that. <laughs> All right. So since you mentioned uh, Judy Dench, she's at your home right now. She's hungry. What is that special dish that you could prepare for? I don't wow anybody with this, but I love to cook Italian. Uh, something about that food, I guess it's a comfort food for me. So it'd either be like a tricolor rotini or it'd be a grilled chicken uh, with uh, fettuccine and I love Alfredo sauce. So something like that, big heaping bowl of salad, fresh, uh, something like that. A simple Italian party filling meal. That's what I'd probably fix for them. All right. It's been announced that you won the Oscar for best movie of the year and you're going to go up there and fit, grab the Oscar. But then they, you go, you know what? I'm going to shock them. I'm going to wow my audience right now with a hidden talent that nobody really knows about. And I'm going to perform it right after I pick up the Oscar. What is that hidden talent that you have? I would practice some sort of song because I could sing. <laughs> I could play piano, but you're not going to be able to roll that on stage or carry it up with you. Uh, I would probably sing something that, that just emotionally pulled at people um, that tied to this character's progress or their path to discovering their life purpose will we hear a quick two bars <laughs> <laughs> i see i don't know what that song would be uh, i've never actually thought about it like what would i sing i don't i don't know um oh gosh i, I don't know i'd have to oh um i can show you the world <laughs> that, that song if you take that and apply it to someone that's needs to be brought along where someone was a mentor for me and then I bring them along and open their eyes up to this world that's outside. I can think of that, maybe. Sounds good. And my last question is, what is success like? Give me a number between one to six. Uh, let's do five. One, two, three, four, five. So how is success like? <laughs> oh, you know how many times I see these poor kids falling on concrete. Thank goodness they have pads on. And you think, why would they keep doing that? Well, it's because they want to do what they've seen others do, and they know it's possible. Success is kind of the same way. You've seen other people do it. You know it's possible. You know you're not trying to draw a sell horse-drawn buggies in Manhattan. You know what can be done. I guess you could sell, but you're not going to sell very many. If you want to be highly successful, you look at what others have done, and you read the stories in their lives of 
who they were and what they did before they were famous. That's where the secret sauce is. Not when they get there, what got them there. If you do that, all the lumps and the bruises, that's part of the learning curve. The opposite of winning and success is not failure. Failure is simply learning what doesn't work. We don't ding babies for falling down so many times before they can walk. As adults and as youth, we do that to ourselves. Instead, you should be looking at, this is how it doesn't work, and I'm going to figure out how it does. And I'm not going to quit until I do. That's the key to people's success is just never giving up. That's the opposite of success, not failure. Awesome. Very well said. And that is how success is like a skate park. All right. So uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. Um, is there anything else you want to share? And then also, what's the best way to reach out to you? Two best ways. Uh, check out our website, accrev.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm constantly posting content on LinkedIn. I've grown my family there on LinkedIn to over 24,000 connections across the world. So uh, you can connect with me there. Send me a message there. Uh, my contact information is on our website. So you can buy email. Uh, most people don't feel comfortable reaching out by phone, but if you'd like to, my phone number's on there. It's also on, our, on LinkedIn. Um, so all different ways you can get a hold of me. I'm easy to find. And I hope that I can add value to you indirectly. Or if you've got something in particular that you'd really like to run by me, I would love to add value and encourage you in your professional walk, in your business, just in your life if I can. So I appreciate this opportunity. Tremendously enjoyable. And, and I will give you this before we sign off. Fongas, I would say that uh, your questions have been so insightful and so interesting and so engaging. It's been one of the most engaging uh set of questions I've had on a podcast. So thank you for putting that kind of intentionality into it. It's been super enjoyable. Well, thank you very much for that. Much appreciated. And everybody, just imagine if you actually call them, you get to hear this wonderful voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll make sure I got my A game on that day. All right. Thank you very much again on uh, your wisdom, your stories, your, your nuggets of great uh, inspiration has been very, very enjoyable. So make sure you guys go all go out there, uh, pick up his book and also tune into his radio show. Uh, great content there as well. So until next time, he is John Hansen. My name is Fong Chua. Until next time, today is the day to lock your peak potential. We'll see you later.